BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Six PM. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This crowd rises to its feet. Pacaro slammed it home. Darwin left wing, three ball. Perfect! Darwin, one of the lane, locked the Mobley, pow! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow! With the left hand and a foul! Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo, the official streaming partner of the Cavs. Watch over 350 channels of live sports and TV, including Bally Sports Ohio, without cable. There's no cost and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com slash Cavs. We got ourselves a palate-cleansing blowout win over the Washington Wizards. Coming into this game, I thought, you know, we only really have one game to talk about. Let's open it up to uh, a mailbag, get some listener questions in here. But the result of this game made that seem like an even better decision. And joining me today to discuss this game a little bit before we answer some questions is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I say we cancel the mailbag and break down every minute of the fourth quarter of this one. (laughs) Uh, Holy heck, that was was a a monster win for the Cavs. A 39-point victory against a uh, a beleaguered Washington Wizards team. Uh, It's just funny how one blowout win just kind of changes the entire metrics of your season. Yeah. Like the Cavaliers went into this game with a negative net rating on the season. Now they're plot they're over a point. Um like like that that basic metric that we all look at to be like, is this team how's this team doing? And like when you see that in the red on the standings page of NBA.com or VSPN.com, you go, oh man, like they're above five hundred, but they're getting outscored on the year. Then all of a sudden it's like, no, we're good. We're we're outscoring them by a point about a point a game. And just one game <laughs> completely flipped that uh, metric. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned Max Struess's uh, three point percentage went up a full point. Yeah, uh, over after a his point. six of eight, uh, after his six of eight uh, performance, it was super fun. And frankly, I think it could have been worse. <laughs> there yeah. was there were some times where I think if you know a couple of those shots uh, that Merrill was getting that were clean looks in the fourth went in. I mean, we could have been talking about a, a, a fifty burger here, Justin. Well, the Cavs have gone through you know, a very tough schedule to start the year. So it's it's nice to have a stretch like this. Um, the Cavs obviously play Washington again on Friday. They actually play Washington three more times this season. Um, they, they hadn't had any matchups. I believe they were the only East team that hadn't played Washington yet this year. Um, so having a stretch where you, you play them again, you play the Spurs, it's, it's going to look like those Joel Embiid uh, graphics from a couple weeks ago where, you know, you're getting a little bit of a break in the schedule and you hope to make the most of it. Uh, but it is fun. It's, it's fun to be able to have a game like this. I thought the Cavs came out not entirely focused, or I, I shouldn't say not focused because I felt like they were moving around well offensively, but the intensity wasn't necessarily there, which, you know, as much as we want to sit here and be podcasters being like, you know, you got to give 110% every single time. It, it is tougher to get up for games like this, but it was nice to see, you know, after Washington hung around through, you know, basically a quarter and a half, uh, Cavs called timeout, you know, uh, JB obviously, you know, tells them to to focus on, on playing Cavaliers basketball, uh, according to his uh, quotes in the post game. And uh, they just, 
you know, the intensity on defense ramped up. They turned stops into points on the other end. They got out in transition. They got three-pointers up. The three-ball was dropping. Uh, that shot variance and that shot luck was in the Cavs' favor tonight. Um, and it just ended up being a, a really fun win. And, and like I said at the top, it's a nice palate cleanser. Yeah, well, you know, to your point, it was looking like it might have been a frustrating one. You know, it almost felt a little bit uh, uh, similar to the Portland game where the Cavs were generating clean looks in the first half and it's kind of not crazy sharp on the other side of the ball. And, you know, uh, Washington was scoring. They were hitting. I think the team opened up 10 of, 10 of 14 combined from three uh, in this one. And then they just clicked in uh, tie, with four minutes left in the game. Or in the second quarter, Tyus Jones hit a layup to bring it to 51-49 Cavs. The Cavs then went on a outrageous run. It was an 89-52 run the rest of the way. They scored 89 points in 28 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and just just you know blew uh, Washington off the floor while putting the clamps on them. Uh, I don't think anyone on the team had a bad game tonight. Um, no. and it Damian was, Damian uh, Jones was out there cooking them. Yeah. Damian Jones, your boy, uh, getting <laughs> some run. So it was, um, it was, it was just super fun. I don't, I don't know where you want to start. I think we pretty much have to start with yet another Jared Allen masterclass. Uh, he had 17, 19 and seven with, uh, only one turnover, two blocks. <laughs> our, our good, my buddy, God, uh, man, our good buddy, Dr. Claw in the discord likes to call him Froch. Uh, Frokic, um, obviously a Jokic <laughs> pun, uh, which looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud, or at least when I try to pronounce it. Um, but yeah, three quarters, uh, not, 17 points, 19 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks. He was just so much fun out there. He had the the no-look layup, uh, which is one of the most insane highlights I've seen, and just incredible awareness from him. He, he knew where he was. He knew muscle memory of what I had to do for the layup, but we're already down some guys. We can't afford me getting a rolled ankle here. So I'm going to focus on my landing and just trust that my touch is going to do the rest. It, it was a lot of fun to see Jared out there. And honestly, Jared should be in the all-star conversation. Like I, yeah, I think I mean, without a doubt, Jared Allen, the way that he stepped up throughout this stretch, I, I firmly believe that he, he should be in the all-star conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough sell just because the league is so nuts. You know, he's averaging 14 and a half uh, points, nine rebounds, and three assists. Like, those do not fly off the page for a Cavs team that isn't like, near the top of the table. You yep. know, that is one thing that you got to remember about his All-Star years. I think the Cavs were in second place when All-Star teams were picked in the East. Um, so, like, I, I think it's an uphill battle for him, just, you know, not being a volume scorer. But certainly, I mean... Uh, I I don't normally care about awards like Player of the Week, Player of the Month, uh, in the, in respective conferences. I really hope Jarrett's at least getting consideration for that. Uh, he's just been so so good. Um, you know he Washington just like they just had no answers. You know Gafford was playing in a deep 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 drop on Jarrett and. They were just content to run dribble handoffs for their shooters over yeah. and over and over again. And Washington just couldn't do anything about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they just they didn't really have to change what they were doing on the offensive end of the ball because Washington did not have an answer for it to start the game. And at no point did they find an answer for it. Yeah, it was funny when uh, Gafford was dropping off of Allen FR a couple times. I, w I was sitting there on my couch yelling, you know, take the shot, take the mid range. But every single time he handed it off, whoever he was handing it off to their defender just seemed to run into Jared and they got perfectly clean looks every single time. And I'm like, well, you know, like it, it's hard to <laughs> get too picky about when, when it's working like this. And, you know, there were stretches. And I, there was a time in the third quarter where I thought the offense kind of stagnated just a little bit. And maybe some of that had to do with the lack of defensive resistance from Washington, uh, where just everything's coming so easy. So it's like, man, we, we don't really have to be running around the, the way that we were before. Um, but, you know, after that, they called the timeout. I think Washington cut it down to 11, and um, the intensity continued to pick up. And, and they're going to need to put their best foot forward again on Friday. Uh, Washington is going to come out with a better It is effort. officially a trap game, because that, <laughs> that was a, a beatdown. Yeah. That that's 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 a, a tough one, and you know it's funny because you look at Washington's roster, and I'm going up and down that lineup, being like, man, I like him, I like him. Oh, you know, in the right context, that that guy makes a lot of sense. But 
as a collective, there just isn't that driver. Like all of them are nice role players and good pieces that winning teams could use, but there, there just isn't kind of that structure in place. And then the natural hierarchy of, of having, you know, that, that number one guy that makes everything make sense. Yeah. That, uh, watching this Washington team kind of made, it reminded me of some of those post LeBron years where you got a couple guys who can do a couple things, but you just can't ask them to do more of those things than they're currently doing. You know, if we were a Wizards a podcast, I would have been talking myself into man. You know, Tyus Jones, good stepping in for Jaw all those years. I like Kuzma. Uh, Jordan Poole is he's got freedom. I definitely would have can talked you tell myself into this team not being the, bad. Can I tell you who I love on this Wizards team? Who? Corey Kispert. He's oh, a nice player. Yeah. He's he, a nice player. Um, he went over five from three tonight, but uh, he can really shoot the ball. I liked. He he does a nice job of leveraging his size. Um, despite being a you know an, an otherwise finesse player, but yeah, I mean it's just again it's just a good reminder of like hey I know that it's hard being a team that has expectations. It's hard like this has not always been the best vibes year for the Cavs, but like just guys just look at look on the other side of the aisle and realize like how hard you know the first year of a rebuild really is, um and how how draining it is. The Wizards went to six and twenty seven on this one and. You know, really does make you feel a lot better about where where your guys are because they were still playing starters when we had you know a four four bench guys on the floor. <laughs> it was just yeah. the lead just kept going up. Um, it was uh, it was uh, it was a, a a tough game. I mean, I've never seen a team dribble out the clock with like one ten left in the game. Oh. <laughs> I you know what? Bless Craig Porter Jr. for doing that. Um, you know, I, I think if I was on the other side and, and that happened to me in high school, I would have tackled someone. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. You know, you don't even know. It's, all, it's almost more disrespectful than like pulling up for three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's meaner. Um, but I, I think his heart was in the right place. But, you know, yeah. I, I got to say, like the Cavs, the way that they performed over this stretch, it's, it's endearing to me, right? Like, because I, I think as fans and, you know, as someone that enjoys the 82 game grind that is the NBA season, this is the type of stretches where you learn about your team. You you find out the, their personality. I mean, um, they've done so well over the stretch. Even when Donovan was out, they, they did well. They had a great effort against Milwaukee. Toronto, as we covered, was frustrating. But you look at Toronto going into to Memphis right now and, and blowing them out. So, you know, that, that clearly something has been clicking with that trade and, and they're at least playing good basketball right now. But it's nice to see them take care of business because even with the Cavs being depleted, even with guys not playing up to their normal standards at, at times this year, they still have the 10th best net rating in the league against the top 10 of the league, like against the best competition in the league. They, they're still above average it's the bottom 10 that they've kind of struggled against. They're 18th in net rating against the bottom 10. And they just, I wonder if that number has been updated yet for tonight. <laughs> I don't believe so. And, and you know what? Bless the folks that clean the glass that have to figure out at what point of this game, we're going to cut it off because they don't account for garbage time. Um, that is a, a tough decision and you know what? More power to them. God bless. Um, but yeah, like when, when you do a good job against the best teams, but you don't take care of business and you let the the lesser teams hang around, it is going to affect those season long numbers. And um, it was really nice to see Max Drews go off in this game. Um, they, they played so well that Max was out there smiling. Uh, I, I think, I think he's already becoming one of my favorite Cavs of all times, just because he's so perpetually grumpy. And I just like the way that he plays, but it's funny to see because he has been in a bit of a slump. Uh, he was asked a post game about, you know, what the difference was tonight. And he said, I'm open. <laughs> like I'm this wide the, open. Yeah, th this was the most open that I've been in a long time. And, you know, that's part of the reality of playing without Darius Garland and playing shorthanded and the the increased load that he has to handle as a ball handler and whatnot. But, you know, he has been so impactful all season long. He's got a team best plus 13.2 net rating when he's on the court. Mitchell is second with 9.2. So it's a dramatic difference. And he's been doing things all over the court. And as Cavs fans, we should be like, we should be familiar with the streaky shooter that bends defenses with gravity because our best teams ever had a guy like that in J.R. Smith. 
And, and JR, you know, bought in, even though he didn't have a reputation as a defender, he bought in on the defensive end of the floor. He would have up and down stretches as a shooter. You know, some years with the Cavs, he'd shoot 35%. Some years it would be 40, some uh, 37 in the middle. Like it was all over the place. But Struess has brought a similar type of gravity. And I've just been so happy with his overall play. And I think as the team gets healthy and as he gets better looks, it, the percentages will go up because that, that's been the... I think the biggest determining factor of the the type of uh, offensive efficiency that he's had. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the player comparison I think is funny and interesting for Struess is actually Jetty. Cause you know, for years we would see what having a high volume shooting three wing could do for the team when Jetty was on, but you know, the mental lapses, um, you know, the, the, the streakiness would just kind of make it, so it was hard for him to consistently do that, you know. Yep. He you sometimes got got as much from Chetty as he took away. Whereas Max kind of is like the evolution of that, you know, where even though Max has been uh slumping uh over the last stretch, he's still giving you good minutes. So when he's giving you those good minutes and and hitting, it's just a whole nother ball game. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And you know, there, there were times where Jetty w- was a good on-off uh, player and whatnot, but uh, you, you see without the defensive infrastructure that the Cavs had on, on the back line, those numbers have been pretty rough in San Antonio, and, and Max just has such a nice, well-rounded game. So it's really nice to, to see him play well. Um, I thought, you know, another good game from Donovan. Um, I, I thought his defense... 24 ever- minutes. That's nice. It, it is really nice. You know, keeping these guys rested, hopefully they, they can have a repeat of this on Friday. I always like uh, when the Cavs have a nice, easy win on Friday after a work week. That's that, that's something that I, I hold dear to my heart. So you knock I, on wood right now, you I, scumbag. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. I'm saying hopefully they do that because I like that. I, too many times that I will be let down in those situations. So I've I've knocked on wood. I'm removing whatever jinx or curse I put on them. Uh, but it, it's nice to see because you know they have an opportunity to move up in the standings here with this schedule um, prior to the guys coming back. And, um, you know, I, while Max is doing his post game uh, with, with Serena, Darius was shooting threes behind him. I, I saw Chris Fedor earlier in the day reported that Mobley was doing some light on court work as well. So uh, still obviously a, a long ways away uh, in terms of Mobley coming back, but uh, it, it's just nice to, to see that progress in the, po- in a positive direction. Absolutely. Uh couple uh last stray observations in this one before we 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 open up the mailbag um awesome fun fourth quarter from craig porter whose finishing remains bananas despite not always getting the cleanest angles uh the entire offense continues to run entirely differently when sam merrill's on the floor like the verve of what the whole team is doing just changes Mm -hmm. and i love that he was getting like and it's not just him hitting threes uh, he didn't even shoot particularly well from three in this one, and uh, I just think everything gets better. He had six assists in this one, um, uh, attacking you know desperate closeouts, so that was fun. Uh, and Karras uh, has looked the most athletic he has looked since he's been on the Cavaliers. Those yep. are my those are my three spare uh, spare takes. If you want to react to them, you can. If you want to uh, move to the mailbag, up to you, buddy. No, I, I think you're pretty much on point there. Um, you know, this would be a very tough podcast if we didn't have the questions from the listeners to, to lean on uh, because there's, there's just not a ton of observations to have. So, you know, it, it's always it always warms my heart, Carter, when, when we put out the bad signal that, that the listeners come with questions that, you know, through the ups and downs of the season, they're, they're always there to support us, just like Zoom is always there for us. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Let's kick things off with a question from our Discord. Vinny asks, with how the season has gone, do you still expect the Cavs to have home court advantage heading into the playoffs? If so, which team do you expect to drop out of the top four? Carter, I'm, I'm going to jump right on this here um, because after tonight's win, the Cavs are a half game back of fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Miami is currently playing the Lakers. If they lose, they would have the same record as the Cavs. Uh, Miami is, of course, currently in fourth. So given how small the gap is and given the fact that the Cavs have uh, a top three easiest schedule, uh, assuming that health starts to come around, yeah, I, I think the Cavs absolutely, the expectation should be that their home court team, um, you know, getting up into the top three is going to be a different tier, but fourth at, at the very least as a floor should be the goal. Um, but I, I still think with, with three games left against Philadelphia, with three games left against Milwaukee, like you should be able to at least let, let's make a run at it. Let's let's see how good we we can be. Let's see how high up we can be and give ourselves the best chance to advance in the playoffs. Where are you at? Uh, yeah, I think home court needs to be the goal. Um, I think you look at that upcoming schedule. You look at you know some hopeful health regression. You just see the progress the team's made uh, over the last month six and nine or six and three uh, since uh, Darius and Evan went out. And I think it's just fair to start expecting them to pass a team like Indiana, who was heated way back up after a very icy stretch uh, after they made the in-season tournament. Uh, they've won five in a row now after winning, beating Milwaukee. I think they've beaten up three times already yeah. this year, which is crazy. Um, Orlando kind of feels like they're coming back to earth. They've lost two in a row. The Heat have lost two in a row. So you you, you kind of think... It, when this team's fully healthy, they, they should be better than any Orlando and Miami, and they're a half game back from them. So uh, with the easier stretch of their schedule coming up while they get healthy, you would hope. that At the at the very, very least, you would hope that they make a run, they lock in home court, um, uh, and, uh, and, and ideally have a more fun time as a four seed. <laughs> I, I mean, part of it, too, is the Cavs had such a front-loaded schedule and it played more games than almost everyone in the league because of this Paris trip next week. So they're going to only play the one game in a week. And then the rest of the way, they don't have a ton of back-to-backs. They don't have a lot of tough schedule situations. And it's a relatively light schedule. So if you're getting Darius back, you know, towards the middle or end of the month, uh, Mobley coming back a, at some point in February, you're going to have at least, you know, half to a, a third of the season uh, with both of those guys. So, you know, continue to knock on wood and, and hope that we have good health the rest of the way. Um, but it really does feel like the worst is behind them. And, you know, the nice thing about the East being so flat for the most part is it hasn't kept them that far out of the running. They've been able to navigate this storm and uh, I'm just really impressed with their play. Absolutely, buddy. Uh, Daniel Muller in the YouTube chat. And if you're watching on YouTube live, please feel free to jump in and ask uh, ask questions in the chat. Says, with J.A.'s shot looking much better this season and teams playing a ridiculous drop coverage on him, would him shooting mid-ranges more commonly be the next step in his development and maybe even threes? I think so to some extent. Um, I'm more interested in the mid-range um, 
it's very similar to what I've said with Mobley, which is if that's what the defense is giving you, you need to work towards making that a strength because you want, in terms of roster construction, whether it's by internal growth or the changes you make, you don't want any team to have just a default set that they can go to. And when teams play this far off you and drop, you need to keep them honest. And if he develops a shot and ups the volume enough, because really it's about volume because the, the percentages have been good. If he gets the, the volume up and punishes them in those situations, that's going to force the defender to come up. It's going to help better showcase his passing. It's going to, when Mobley's back, it's going to op, uh, open up those opportunities in the dunker spot, that big to big passing. So I would like to see that be kind of a, a next step for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the one thing I'll say is I've really liked it when he's attacked that deep drop. Mm. Um, one thing that is different about this is the Cavs rarely have someone in the dunker spot that's there to take the little dump off pass without Mobley out there. So he's getting a lot more space just to attack it and, and you know, bump, pivot, hook shot, you know, two feet from the hoop. Uh, with Evan there, I think what you'll see is teams will still play that drop, but I really want to see him continue to work on that that one or two dribble attack into a floater um, mm-hmm. to, to to pull that defender up so he can either lob off to a guy like Mobley or or just you know finish over length. I think he's done a really, really nice job of that the last week or so, uh, and it's been just as impactful as any, any mid-rangers. I do like that he's taken them, especially against the deeper the deeper drops and frankly as against the better defenses mm-hmm. um like against a mediocre to bad defense a jared allen mid-ranger is probably going to be worth like very little more than one point per possession right. which is good it's fine but like that shouldn't be what you build you don't build the plane out of jared allen mid-rangers it no. should be it should be seasoning should be a thing you sprinkle in to keep defenses honest um, and you know, when things are breaking down, it's a great release valve. And he was a good mid range shooter last year. I think he was second on the team from mid range. And like, I think the dirty secret is he's a, he's a much better mid range shooter than Evan Mobley is right now. Oh, so yeah. like, if I'm going to have, like, if you actually want one of those two guys to take a mid ranger to like help you win right now, it's actually probably Jarrett. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with it. And you know, one of the things, one of the reasons I cared so much about him saying, you know, Playmaking has been something I worked on this offseason and something that I wanted to pr- improve is I like having redundancies within the team building structure. Like I, I like to have, you know, continuity of system because w- when we're playing these one big lineups, whether it's Jared or Evan, I want to be able to run a lot of the same stuff offensively and I don't want those changes to take anything off of the table. So uh, I would like to see that growth from, you know, him in the mid range, just as badly as I want to see it from Mobley, because I I think it is important in keeping defenses honest. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Take us to the next one. Next question from Connor in the discord as well. He says, has Niang been a disappointment or did we just expect too much out of a career role slash bench player? Carter. Uh, I think there have been th- things about Niang that have been disappointing so far this year. I mean, he's shooting 8% worse uh, from three than, than his, uh, I'm sorry, about 7% worse from three than his career average. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a precipitous drop. Uh, the volume's also lower, so it's not like he's jacking up a ton more and they're harder, so that's why he's dropped a little bit. Um, so from that perspective, I don't see how you could feel any other way um, uh, You know, from a shooting specialist. Uh, I think you saw it a little bit tonight where Washington's, uh, you know, uh, porous defense was giving him a lot more standstill three-point attempts that Mm -hmm. I thought we would be seeing. Um, And, and, you know, that was one thing that we've talked about a little bit is in Philly, his job as a stationary shooter was just so much easier because Joel Embiid's one of the only players in the league who forces doubles against your base set. Like, they don't have to run an action to draw a double for Joel. They can they can throw him the ball in the block, and as soon as he gets starts his move, you have to send help from the weak side. And I think a guy like Niang could really benefit from that. You know, he didn't have to uh he didn't have to go around a curl or or catch it in, in semi transition and fire. So maybe that maybe a little bit of it's a roll and shot diet thing. I think it's certainly fair to suggest that maybe he's just slumping and it's just not been his year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also been fair to suggest that the Cavs lead playmakers have not, uh, either been there or, 
um, or playing their best uh, to, to kind of set him up for that success in that way. Um, but also, you know, I mean, again, uh, when you sign someone uh, with mid-level to be a three-point shooting specialist and they're shooting 33% and, you know, not are not particularly stout defenders, then yeah, I think I think it's been a hard run for George. Uh, I would imagine he would tell you the same thing. Yeah, um, he, but he's, he's pre- also the kind of confident dude that would tell you, "Yeah, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to figure it out." Yeah, he he absolutely would, would say the same thing, and I, I'm pretty sure I've heard him say the same thing, right? Like I'm I'm here to knock down shots. That's what they brought me here for. And the reality is, there's very few players where their performance isn't dependent on context to some extent, right? Like some some players, they are like the context themselves. Like if you play with Giannis. You are two passes away from a wide open three at all times because the way that he drives to the basket, it's just impossible to defend that without leaving somebody open a pass or two away. Um, and and Yang has been asked to to do more because of the way that they've been shorthanded, the way that again we've been down our first, second, and third string point guards. I can't believe this keeps happening <laughs> to this extent. Um, but I, I definitely expect as the team gets healthy. His shot diet should normalize a little bit. But, you know, the interesting thing, too, is when you have one of these prolonged stretches where you've played half the season where you're attacking closeouts and putting the ball on the floor a little bit more, you've developed that as a habit. And I'm interested to see how instantaneous that changes or if it's something, again, where we we see a transition period where he's getting a little bit more comfortable, where maybe sometimes he's turning down what what would be a better look, or maybe the looks are just going to be so good that he's going to pop those threes. But that's at least something I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, I do think like he has been asked to play. And then I think his limitations have also been kind of exacerbated by the context, you know, Um, it is, he is the kind of guy that you really don't want to be featured on the defensive end of the floor. You know, you want to find spots to hide him, but with, you know, with, with Evan out, you know, a lot of times it's, it's Trist. He's paired with Tristan, who is a great offensive rebounder and switch defender, but is not an elite rim protector. You mm-hmm. can't just kind of rely on Tristan to clean up messes behind you. And he then even have on the, the same pro- role gravity that he used to have as well. Yeah. So, and then, and then even, and then on the other, and then also at the point of attack, like he's playing with, you know, small guards a lot of times. It's CPJ, it's Sam Merrill, um, it's Karis Levert at the three. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's not like he's got, he can be super switchy either. So I, I think, I think the defensive, and that's one concern I have about like, I don't know how that bounces back because the reality is the Cavs don't have a lot of big wings. Yeah, you know, so like maybe you can get away with it a little bit with Struess and Okoro, where you just kind of stash Niang on the lesser threat at the three and the four. But like Okoro and Struess are a little undersized to do that job, you yeah. know. So I I think that is one thing that makes me feel a little more anxious about bounce back on that end of the floor. The three point shooting, you just hope they start going in more. Um, yeah. The track record suggests they will, but like you know guys have bad bad years it's certainly possible he just has a bad shooting year yeah and and that ties into a question that nick adair asked in the youtube which is do you have an explanation for dean wade's wild swings from active game changing wing who can play both sides of the ball and hit threes to a passive ball stopper that's still defending like we saw tonight but you know he turned down some good looks and um you know like i i have to assume like that there's whether it's you know confidence or just as you're playing with, you know, Mitchell coming back and other stars and other guys that are rolling that he's looking to defer a little bit. I I, I, I do think when he's being passive, you know, when we talk about what this rotation is going to look like when fully healthy, if he's not taking those shots, that role needs to go to Niang because he's going to be willing to take those shots and that spacing is so valuable but then, you know, there are going to be certain matchups where Dean Wade is really needed for his size, length, rebounding. And when he's confident, like, that's the funny thing about the Cavs. When they're fully healthy and everybody's playing to the best of their abilities, I think they have an answer for everything they need at this level. And it's going to come down to execution. But you don't really have a backup plan for Dean Wade in terms of what his skill set is bringing. He needs to be confident. He needs to be taking those shots. So, 
I do appreciate the fact that he's always making an impact out there. I, I think he's a very, very solid defender. I think he really helps the team rebounding numbers, which is a big need for the team. But he just needs to to be more assertive. And, you know, it, it's having confidence. Um, it, you know, maybe this is a spot where having a guy like Max Struess is so important because, you know, um, you, you hear so many stories in Miami about guys like Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, like all these guys that, that were capable shooters that deferred a little too often early on and, you know, had the veterans in their ear being like, hey, take the shot when you're open. Like, you're on the floor for a reason. You need to take these shots. And um, I, I just think that it's really, really important because if he's not doing that, then all of a sudden, from a rotation standpoint and from a team need standpoint, things get a little bit more tricky. Yeah, it's just weird, man. Uh, in the three game, In the last three games, he's taken four three-point attempts. The three games prior, he took twenty three. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, like yeah. and I and it's uh, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe you know, and you never know if it's like residual stuff from the shoulder. Maybe it's not feeling good. Yeah. Um. You know, you just never know. Um. But good like, point. but the the passivity is just really tough. Um. And you know, offenses just can't really afford record scratches. Um. I'm. I thought he had a, a play. A, one play he didn't get a registered assist on tonight. He did pump and drive. I think he found Okoro, who then found uh, Allen uh, yep. in a little like a little tic tac pass uh, under the hoop. Like at least that is cool. I'm down for that. But you can't just catch it and then go and then like beat beat swing. You know this doesn't work. Like you you have to move decisively and you have to move confidently on the offensive end of the the floor. And you know no matter who you are, like it's just hard to be an NBA rotation player if you're not shooting. Um, yeah. You know, and like this was our gripe with Isaac. You know, we'd, we'd have games where Isaac would just take two, two, three shots in like 30, 30 plus minutes. And it's like, yeah. you just have to shoot. Like it, the, the threat of the shot is so much more important than making the shot. And if they don't even think you're going to try, they're going to change the entire way they guard everyone else. And that is... It just doesn't work. So it is a conundrum. Uh, I just don't have a good answer for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of those funny things because we've seen him. Well, we've seen him do exactly what he needs to do on the court. And on the one hand, that's encouraging. But again, that's part of the player development and the team building process is, you know, finding guys that, that bring a skill set to the table. And then the question becomes, do they do it consistently enough that you feel comfortable with them in that role? And that's that's still a question mark. We still have over half a season, right? Like we, we've seen guys, you know, kind of go through stretches where they're a little more passive or they, they gain confidence and they, they peak at the right time. But, you know, you, you hope that he's continuing to build positive momentum when it, it comes to being a confident uh, shooter, because I, I care more about when he's taking those shots and the volume of the shots than, than the percentage even because shooters it comes in waves. It, it, it's just the nature of, you, you know, the sport. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Yeah, one thing I will say uh, is, like, it feels worse when Evan's not out there. Because really what we're looking for practically is, like, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes of decent backup foreplay. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is not like a crazy leap to 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 be looking for. But to your point about like I thought your comment about how like when this team when everyone is kind of hitting their ceiling, uh like we have everything we need. But like, you know, that the devil really is in those details of like how often are you at the level where we're getting everything we need, you know, like what's our, what's like, what's our resting heart rate as a team of like our ability to like have those guys like consistently be that like Dean is not going to score 20 points a game on six, six of eight from three or whatever he shot against new Orleans. He's not going to do that. And we're cool with that. But like how, like, like whatever his standard is, like, I think we got to see that be a little more consistent. And same with Niang, uh, in order to really feel good about that spot. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the conversations we had about Jared Allen when, when he first signed and whatnot, where people are like, well, you can get guys that, you know, roll to the rim, rebound, the, the passing You can get stuff. Daniel Gaffords. It's it's the nuances, right? Like, it's how consistently you do it. It's how quick your processing speed is. It's all of the little things that can take you from being an effective player to a great player, right? And, and that's... That's the the big, big question. I don't think anyone expects Dean to be a great player, but he can be great in his role when he's performing at this level. And how confident they are that he can do that is, is probably going to influence what, how aggressive you are in looking for that backup four position. Because I, I think when you look up and down the roster, they do have a lot of depth at guard. I, I think they have a lot of depth on, on the wing, even uh, in, in terms of, you know, quality role players that can step in. Karras had another nice game today. It's that backup four position that I think to me is the, the biggest question, whether that's a four, three type player or four, five, where, you know, that guy that you can go to when you're staggering Allen and Mobley that stretches the floor, that defends that rebounds. Those are the three skill sets you really need. And to me, that that's still one of the biggest questions from a team building perspective. Yeah, I feel like with Niang and Wade, you get one one to two of those every game, but you know you rarely get all three. And like it's you know it's it's been hit and miss this season. Whether you get that second one, I think if you get at least two of the three, you're feeling pretty good. Yep. You know about about a backup four. You know, like if 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 anyone's providing all three consistently, they're probably a starting level player. And, and the one I would give that. up is rebounding. Like, if you can yeah. defend and shoot, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I think it's one of those things that is interesting. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's uh, you just want to see those guys find their consistency over time. Yeah. By the way, I'd been sitting on that sneeze for, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> and it was, I was losing my mind, bro. Oh, I I'm muted very... so I didn't have to subject the chat to it. But, oh, I'm so relieved it got out. I'm I'm very very happy for you. J4728 uh, asks: Is converting CPJ's contract pretty much a guarantee this year at some point? And how does Merrill's role change when DG and Mobley come back? Um, so obviously, two part question. Um, I don't know if I, I can say if I feel comfortable saying pretty much a guarantee. Um, you know, as a fan and looking at his play. I would say yes, but at the end of the day, we don't do any reporting. We have no idea, so we are just taking guesses. Um, but I think the correct takeaway is he's an NBA player and, and therefore, you know, deserving of an NBA contract. Cavs front office will, will figure out the timing on that. Um, but I think they can feel very, very, very damn good about finding him as an undrafted player and he, he's someone that I, I would love to see, you know, signed to a Dean Wade type contract where, where he's uh, locked up for the next few years. I've got a cheeky answer, which is that I think it's pretty much a guarantee this calendar year. 
<laughs> like oh, if, it's, you if it does suck. <laughs> uh yeah i mean like uh, I, to echo what you said like there's no guarantees here like the Cavs are up against the tax by all reports and uh you know it, it it is hard to know um if it were me though which i think i'm more comfortable saying is i absolutely would find a way to make sure i got this guy yeah. on the main roster heading into the postseason um uh which means conversion um i i think ultimately he has shown enough he has changed enough games uh for the Cavs with his energy with his with his bucket getting um with with you know with his playmaking that like if I'm the coaching staff, I'm I would be calling up the front office and being like, "Hey, I definitely I'm gonna at least have the option to play this guy right in a pinch." Yeah. Um, so I I I wouldn't call it a guarantee because we just don't know uh how the machinations of this roster are going to affect things, and like I think it's rarely a priority. Like it certainly isn't a priority right now because he's not near the kind of the game played threshold. But yeah. it does feel like that is the that is the road. To answer the secondary question, which is how Merrill's role changes when DG and Mobley come back, um, I hope it doesn't. I just want to see him get 15 to 20 minutes a game. I, I, I think I'm there with him. 20 is hard. Uh, ten, sure. I'd say 10 to 15. 10 to 15. Uh, sure. I, I guess what I'd say is he's going to get to 20 if he's shooting the ball like like he's shot in some of these games. Yeah. Um, so as, a, as kind of a ceiling. Um, I think he's just been good enough that it makes a lot of sense. I think they've their offense um, for a minute kind of felt like they were tanking whenever uh, they didn't have a point guard out there. Uh, I feel like they've really bounced back. I think Donovan's playmaking has really improved, and maybe it's maybe it's part and parcel because Merrill is just such an easy target. You know, he inherently uh, he's kind of a one man offense with the way he moves. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to see him still stay in the rotation. Uh, it seems like he's bounced back really well from that wrist sprain. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll ride this train till uh, I no longer can because the results have just been too good. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, going back to our conversation about the back of four position, like I think if Wade was playing at a consistent enough level where he locked it down, it would become a conversation of, okay, does Merrill play over Nyang? Because if the front court is kind of, you know, set in stone there, you're volume shooting spacing guy that that bends a defense it becomes a lot easier to have merrill in that role but i i agree with you like i i think i'd like to see continue to see him get minutes i i think there's a lot of nights where he could almost be the backup point guard uh to some extent where you're staggering him with garland and mitchell and i i think like I, i've been impressed even with his playmaking like I, I think he just has a really nice feel for the game uh, obviously, there's limitations defensively due to his size, but I, I think he competes well and is in the right positions. Um, I just, I, th I think again, like I, I feel like this is a guy that that's a pro that deserves a spot in the rotation, and this is the the type of value signing or, or, and find that you need to get from a team building perspective, right? Like Craig Porter what a Jr. Fun story, man. He's not he's not a rookie. <laughs> he's no. been in the league for like four or five years. Yeah. Um, it's it's just Fun. it's impressive man like and obviously you know got him comfortable with the system playing last year with the charge uh was awesome in in summer league and uh he's making the most of this opportunity so i'm i'm just i'm not I'm sure I've, I've heard by the way i'm not sure i've heard a player cite summer league as a reason or i'm sorry uh g league as a reason for their success quite as much as i've heard merrill do it it was mm -hmm. almost like he just was like I'm on the end of NBA rotations. I never get to play. And it's really, really hard for me to show what I can do in any context. And I go into the G League was just like, okay, world, here I am. Here is the things I can do at volume. I'm not just a I'm not just a, a spacer in the corner that you can trust. I'm a guy who can shoot off movement. I'm a guy who can who can, you know, put the ball on the floor a little bit. I can rebound and like it feels like he is a true G League success story, um, uh, more than most that I've seen. So that's it's it's really really cool to see. Um, I want to go to a question from Mister Stoke from the Discord. Do you think Allen's resurgence is related to Mobley's absence? And I'm going to answer that question with with a, with another question because I think the answer is inherently kind of yes. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of things that he's picking up as a result of Mobley's aunt. Uh, absence so i'm gonna i'm gonna spin that into another question which is how do you think that the cabs can prevent diminishing returns 
from Jarrett upon Mobley's you know return to the lineup? Um, I think it comes down to the coaching staff getting in his ear uh, and telling him to maximize the the minutes where, where Mobley isn't on the court. Like you still want him to be assertive, and you hope that there's things that he takes from the stretch and applies it to the five man group. But those lineups have already been so effective, and he's been really good. And you look at last year's stretch, like last year when, when Mobley had the, those 40 games uh, where, where he's averaging 18 points per game, Jared Allen's points per game increased over that stretch. He was averaging 15 points per game, more than he's averaging right now on the season. And I, I think it's about, you know, continuing to to be empowered and really maximizing those minutes where he's not playing with them because the most effective pairings are still Donovan with Jared and Garland with Mobley. And I think the chemistry that they're building in these times is something that can really work moving forward because the lineup data throughout their time together has been the starting group is awesome. Even in that Knicks series, that lineup, I think through four games was still a net positive, the starters, even though they weren't playing well individually, it's when they've been staggering that has been the biggest question. And if this stretch where Garland and Mobley are out really like solidifies and develops the two-man game where Garland and Allen are basically like Garland and Gobert only with uh, Allen's ability to actually catch the ball. Like if, if that's what we get from these minutes, that's a lot of fun. That's what I want to see. I think see. you meant Mitchell and Allen. Mitch, Mitchell and Allen. Yeah, sorry. Um, God, I, I was so excited to get to the slander and, and botched it. Uh, um, but sucks. yeah. But yeah, like obviously the, um, some of it's related to Mobley's absence. I would push back a little bit and say that I thought Allen was having a great year prior to that. But when you when your responsibilities are, or the responsibilities of that position are consolidated to one player, you're going to get more box score stats. Like it's the same thing when we talk about the heliocentric offenses that only have one ball handler that creates for everybody. Like you're going to get stats, but ultimately whether it's Luca, whether it's Trey, in order to win at the highest level, you need to have multiple guys that do that. And that's why they bring in Kyrie. That's why they bring in DeJounte Murray. That's why you bring in a Donovan Mitchell for Darius, right? Like at the end of the day, maximizing your stats for fantasy basketball isn't the priority. It's winning at the highest level. And I think um, you can learn lessons from this stretch, but ultimately it's the team being fully healthy and, and the, the strength of the core that's going to take the cast to that next level. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Yeah, and I think that is, in a way, the answer. You know, I think they already have a pretty good track record of playing with each other and putting up stats next to each other and being impactful next to each other. To me, what I'm interested in seeing is, hey, like, you don't just have to use Mobley as the hub. 
Like, you know, you can, you can use Jared as the hub a ton more now, especially when, when one is sitting. Like, I want them to be taking the lessons. And this kind of speaks to, uh, to Nam's question, so I'll go ahead and hit that, which is, what are the big picture takeaways you're looking for in this stretch without Mobley and Garland? So much of the season was about them that I'm not sure what bigger stuff to be focusing on other than wins and losses, which, like, obviously wins and losses are important. Um, <laughs> but, like, I do think that this is the kind of stuff. Like, hey, like, we have been running... Jared Allen is our as the as the hub of our offense or at least a major hub of our offense without Mobley on the floor like there's no rule that says we cannot continue to do that the, the minutes Mobley is sitting on the bench uh, upon his return like yeah. the offense has looked gorgeous uh, in this stretch even when Donovan hasn't been playing uh, in part and parcel due to the fact that Jared Jared's playmaking has been so good so those are the kinds of things I want to see taken away from this stretch is like we found certain things that worked they will work better with better players on the floor yeah or or you know or our minutes without all four of our good players on the floor should look a lot better with all the lessons we've learned yeah and and beyond that you know it's making the most of these opportunities like it's it's finding guys like sam merrill that may have not got you know the appropriate looks or, or enough of a look when, when the team is fully healthy just because it, it's a minute crunch and this is you know i i think it's fa- fair to say a, a well-built roster because they've been able to survive this stretch w- without so many core pieces because of the depth that they have so it's finding those gems finding the opportunity within the setbacks that i i think makes the the best teams great like that's that's something that we we said with miami that we really respect that with all the injured game misses they found stuff in those stretches and i think the Cavs have been doing a really good job of finding that kind of stuff so i I think that's that's the kind of thing you really want to see absolutely buddy where you want to go next uh mo buckets asks with the trade deadline being a month away do you think the Cavs should make a move and if so for what type of player i i think the Cavs. Again, we're not, we don't do any reporting, um, but I do think the Cavs are going to explore options because this has been a front office that's been consistently aggressive in in exploring options um, just to see what type of players are available. I think ideally what you'd be looking for is that backup four position, like we talked about earlier, um, having just kind of a more solid option available to them, but it does get tricky because, you know, the the larger contracts that the Cavs have are tied to very helpful players, and um, it's going to be need to be one of those situations where everyone knows what the archetype is that they need. Uh, every, it's easy to say, like if you jumped on two K and used to create a player to to create the player, it would be very straightforward and exactly what they need. But uh, attaching that to an actual name, uh, attaching the, finding that name or that player in a situation where they're looking to offload said player. Uh, for the assets that the Cavs have available, that that'll be tricky. But uh, I do expect them to um, explore what options are available out there. Yeah, I mean, I think they're always digging. I feel like this year I'm more. I'm. I feel less like a trade is going to happen um, because the team is in such an interesting spot where they. I think they like most of their roster, and mm-hmm. like thus you would you would have to like be. And it's going to be really, really hard to trade for a rotation player without, you know, giving up a rotation player that has either been playing well for you or that you, you know, you're invested in or whose value isn't great right now. So it's like, you know, like, sure, like, you know, a guy like here's a name of a player that I think would be really, really helpful for this version of the Cavs right now is Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay. Super helpful role player. It's like, what do you give up for someone like that? And then also... Um, if you don't, if you don't send some of your forwards back, are you going to really tell Niang and Wade they're out of the rotation? That that's a hard question mm-hmm. that, and this is remains where I think, uh, it, this is the other side of the coin of why it stinks so much that Garland and Mobley are not healthy is we don't have as much actionable data to, to, to make roster moves on. And because of that, I think rolling with the status quo just feels more likely yep. um because it almost feels like they're either going to make a like they would have to make a really kind of a loud trade um to to justify you know swapping you know swapping out an eighth man just doesn't seem likely 
to me. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, Kobe has been an active, uh, uh, you know, uh, executive, but I, I just, I would be, I, I just feel like I don't, I don't quite see one right now, but I, to your point, the one archetype of, if you're going to make a, a fringe move, the one archetype that this team literally does not have is a four five. You mm -hmm. know, you look at a guy like Chris Boucher on Toronto. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah. uh, who who can who can space the floor a little bit? He's really more of a five, but can can drop down to the four. Like Tristan, pure five. Damian Jones, pure five. Jared Allen, pure five. Like they are stocked to the brim with pure fives. They don't have a ton of guys who can who can kind of slide between that. And then when Evan or Jared are out, especially when Evan's out, um. I'm sorry, especially when Jarrett's out, like you just you're just forced into Evan at the five as a full time five. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's just I don't know. I would like a little more flexibility there uh, from a stylistic perspective. Um, so that that's the kind of player that's interesting to me. But yeah, there aren't I, that many four fives anymore. Yeah. Kind of most four fives are just fives these days. That's true. And I I think the other thing that every team explores when, when you're heading to a, a transaction window is, okay, wh what are the contract situations that are upcoming for us? Um, you know, Cavs uh, are, are very fortunate that they have a chairman in Dan Gilbert that, that's always been willing to spend. And, uh, you know, all reporting indicates that they're not looking to go into the luxury tax this year, which I think is very smart if they can avoid it because it does give you that full mid-level exception. Uh, you saw the, the miracles that they were able to work this offseason um and like you look at the this being a, a loaded roster already like i'm almost hesitant like i think when we get to draft now I'm, I'm sure this is going to be a conversation that comes up i see an appeal of like trading back and moving out of it because you have young players that are interesting and craig porter jr and amani bates uh luke travers who, who could potentially come over uh you know having picks and flexibility down the road can be helpful but if you're adding a mid-level exception player to next year's roster and you're bringing back Isaac Okoro on a contract and you still have Karis LeVert, like all of a sudden it really becomes what's the opportunity there, right? So it, you you are going to have to evaluate, okay, are we on track for, you know, giving Isaac a, a new contract this summer? Uh, I think his play has been really encouraging this year. Obviously, you know, I, I, I think I'm the, the biggest Isaac a, a fan out of the two of us, but um, you, you have to, you know, evaluate all options there, which, you know... Um, it's okay. Karis has another year left on his deal. How do we feel about that? How do we feel about, you know, the relationships moving forward and everything that comes into that? So there's a lot of things that go into it, a whole lot of information that we're just not going to have. But uh, I'm sure that the, this front office is going to do the due diligence because they always have and they've found opportunities that we frankly didn't think would be there. Absolutely. It'll be it'll be an interesting deadline. But um the first one in a while where I'm kind of expecting quiet yeah. um, and will be uh, surprised by a move. Yeah, my, myself as well. Uh, Soul Femmer Discord asks, uh, any New Year's resolutions for the team or for you guys in general? I'm actually going to steal Steve Jones's uh, New Year's resolution for the Cavs, which was just make the most of this opportunity. Um, like with guys out, I, I want to see guys like Sam Maryland, uh, Isaac Okoro, and all, all these other players um, shine in their increased opportunity and I, I i want jb to have tough decisions to make with the roster because there's just so many guys playing well um new year's resolution for me um i had already kind of got a jump start on this i've been doing physio to get my uh my uh legs and hips and everything back in, in line and i deleted doordash so i'm just trying to get a little bit healthier oh that's a that's a bold move man Delete and DoorDash. Good for you. I, I don't have the willpower. I'm sure I'm going to download it again. But for now, it's deleted. And, and uh, I'm I'm feeling better about uh, getting appropriate strength in, in both of my legs and fixing my hip and whatnot. Good for you, buddy. I think a uh, resolution for the calves is um, uh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like if something's working, don't go away from it just because the team, just because you get certain players back. Like, like explore every option. Leave no stones uncovered. Um, are unturned, and uh, I, th I think um, not being too orthodox in in the roster thinking uh, will only play in their favor. I think that's why I've been like, you know, keep giving Merrill and CPJ run when they're earning it because it's 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 having a tangible impact on the floor. Uh, for myself, uh, I'm going to steal one from uh, from my cousin Ryan, who uh, who I look up to greatly. 
and say no resolutions, just fine tuning. Just trying to get a little bit better every day. I like that. I like that. I mean, that's really what life is all about. Don't put a ton of pressure on yourself. Just, you know, try to try to learn from every everything you go through and every experience. Just get a little bit better every day. But we, we try to do that on the podcast, too. I, I think I think we do a generally decent job of that. Yeah, me too, buddy. Uh, any Happy other New questions Year. from the Love YouTube you, before I wrap this up? No, I think we can. I think we can. Uh, we can call this one. All right. Well, big thanks to everyone that tuned in live. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll, we'll be coming to you again next week. Uh, we should have some uh, fun stuff for you as well that we're keeping under wraps for now, but uh, should have a fun little interview. Um, but big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe. Click notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really, really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cats. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 